Hey, we should grab coffee sometime. This is one of the most frequently used phrases by creatives seeking to set up a meeting and connect. Who knows how many ideas, plans, and relationships have been built over a cup of coffee? This is why we decided to start the Creatives Grab Coffee podcast. A platform where we invite creatives to come and discuss various topics about the industry, all over a cup of coffee. So, so let, let us start. Uh, today we're actually having coffee from one of the coffee shops of our former alma mater, Balzac's. Have you ever had uh, Balzac's before? No. Yeah, it's actually really, well, technically think, now you're having it. But. I think I like uh, that Costco coffee a bit more. You think you like the Costco coffee more? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What? It's got to be Costco. That, that's what it is. They, they just add that little flavor, you that know, bulk coffee that just has that, like, <laughs> it just tastes better for some reason. Whenever you get like boutique coffee, it, it tastes like it's supposed to be good. It's but, like the idea of it. But is deep good. down, you know, it's not worth what you paid for it. Yeah. Yeah, it, it definitely is not at the level that it should be otherwise. But we should do different coffees each. Well, that's that's kind of the <laughs> okay, idea, okay. right? Like that, <laughs> that that was the whole point. Like I wanted to bring this one. The next one I want to bring on. Uh, well, we'll save it for the next podcast uh, for when we share that. But we'll do reviews at the end of each podcast. Yeah. Anyways, uh, so for today's topic, we're going to be talking about uh, starting a business and what what are some of the thoughts that you have going into it? What are your, what are your goals and expectations are versus what you learned down the road? Mm-hmm. You know, there, I always found the classic interview question that people used to ask people was like, where do you see yourself in five years? Mm, yeah. You know, and we're now actually at that point uh, with the business where it's like, this That's is five years ago. on. So where did we see ourselves five <laughs> years ago? You know, like, like where are we now? You know, and yeah. um, I just wanted to, uh, if you if you want to start off, you know, like what were some of the expectations you had going into starting the business? So I think going into it, uh, I've just really had two ideas of where we're going to go with this. And number one was that um, we were going to be doing a lot of cool projects um, with uh, high level businesses. So like not so large sized corporations. And then the other idea I had of it was that we were going to be pretty big by that by the five-year mark to the point where we had like uh like an office we had employees and we were just taking on like producing roles something like that to that effect right Mm -hmm. um but looking back on it now we should have actually sat down and written out our vision for the company because i don't think we did that we just had our own personal ideas of where we're gonna where it was gonna go um but it would have been good to actually just sit down and write it out. Uh, when you say cool types of projects, like what type of projects were you expecting us to kind of uh, be taking on? Well, at the time, because we started off pretty strong, right? Like um, right when we were starting the company or right when we started the company, we, we started doing work with uh, um, ad agencies. So we were doing work with like on projects like KFC, Pizza Hut. Expedia, and then we're also doing work with Scotiabank, right? So I thought that was going to continue even further. So you're saying because we had such a strong start with such brand names, we were thinking, okay, you know, we have all these great brands. Right off the bat. Right off the bat. Like, we can only go higher from here. Yeah, it's just exponential growth from here on out. It's funny because when when we were starting it out, I was originally thinking that we would be kind of trying to focus more on creating narrative work. And then having the business projects and the corporate clients on the side to just kind of fuel it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And 
I, I think one, one thing we quickly realized is that there's a need for a, a bigger focus on the corporate side. I wasn't exactly too sure how the growth would kind of go because when we were starting the business, I was still riding this wave, um, as I mentioned in the last podcast, where um, work was just kind of coming in and uh, I wasn't focusing too much on, you know, like it, when it when it goes in the lows, what do we do from there, right? But you said narrative. We, we really didn't do any narrative work. We, we didn't, but that's what we kind of were talking about wanting to do, right? That was something we discussed in the beginning that we wanted to kind of uh, um, start pushing forward in, you know, like try to create, you know, short films, um, features maybe down the road. But um, obviously that is a part of the business where there is no money being made, right? Those are more passion projects. And in terms of the business, we realized, okay, we need to shift it and focus more on the corporate uh, on corporate clients that bring in the money. Yeah. And luckily for us, that's how we started. We had the big names, as you mentioned. Um, not only did we have some big names starting off, but very quickly we made connections with several ad agencies. Yeah. And those ad agencies started feeding us uh, uh, work with other brands such as Pizza Hut, KFC, Expedia, etc. Yeah, yeah. Um, but one thing I noticed later on was that there are highs and lows in the business you know it's almost as if it's seasonal uh and that was one thing we did not really expect in the beginning and not really many people mentioned it to us as we were starting out for some companies like people that we know like they experience the the seasonal up and low up uh ups and downs but other people we know don't experience it they're constantly working all year round right so we were also too young to know like which one we were going to be right yeah. Well, the other thing that we didn't realize is that we were comparing, we were trying to compare ourselves with a lot of agencies that have also been established for a very long time. Mm-hmm. A lot of these agencies and companies that have been, uh, that, uh, that are perceived to work uh, a lot, they've been around for at least 15 to 20 years and they've had that line of business going for so long. So they're always going to have work coming in. And you, sir, uh, sorry. And the other thing too, is that, um, even if they've just recently started their company and they get all that work, they have all the connections that they've built over that like 20 year span, right? Yeah. These are people that have been working in the industry for 10 to 15 years. They have huge networks of people that they can reach out to and they can find work. And that's why we were a bit surprised. I was like, oh, you just started the business a few months ago, but you already have this much work. Yeah. You already have an office. You already have a team of five people just... Uh, just off the bat like that it's um, we were a little bit surprised by that and we were thinking okay maybe we have that potential but we didn't really realize going into it it's that you know we're we're really starting from from scratch from from zero from zero yeah starting from scratch uh, has other limitations there are some benefits to it of course but um, that was one of the biggest uh, challenges that uh, we were facing and to be honest it's something we still face because um you know, we we have seen a steady growth in the business every year, which on paper is great. Mm-hmm. You know, it's always good to see a business growing. But to get it to a level uh, like that, where it's very uh, majorly established mm-hmm. with a lot of uh, different networks, you know, it's it just takes even uh, longer time. I see it almost coming maybe even another five years before we can get it to that level mm-hmm. if we really stick to it like that. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. So 
one thing I want to kind of go over is after five years now running the business, what are three key things that you have learned? Three we'll, key things. We'll, I, I we'll, wrote, do, we'll do one at a time. We'll I, do one I, I at wrote time. these down just so I wouldn't forget. Okay. That we've learned, right? Just okay. start Just start with one and then I'm, let's I'm going to start with the first one. So number one is that it takes a long time to learn um, the skills to A, run a business, and then B, just being a creative at the same time, right? Because mm -hmm. we do both. We run our business and then we also go shoot, right? Now, to shoot, you need to, you know, it, it takes a long time to, journey, to learn how to compose your shots, light the scenes, edit the whole uh, puzzle together uh, to make it into something. That takes a long time, yeah. right? I, I feel like I've just recently finally figured that out. Uh, but up until then, it was just like a learning learning curve, like a giant learning curve, right? Yeah. And then on the business end of things, it's it's the same thing, right? Like it, it takes a while to figure out how to, um, you know, reach out to your clients, how to how to go through the whole um, client management um, uh, side of things, you know. So, yeah. Yeah, it's it, it definitely is hard to find that work life balance between the two because both are in a way full time jobs. You know, you have your um, in a lot of bigger agencies, they have their chief operations uh, officers who basically yeah. run the day to day. They help the team find clients, continuously network and continuously do sales. Whereas then there are the creative directors who are handling all the creative aspects with the clients and also, you know, helping organize the shoots with their producers and then just kind of managing that aspect. Those are two separate jobs. But yeah. when you're taking on both roles, it is it is hard to kind of, um, uh, it is hard to find the balance where sometimes you are doing a lot of one and the other one suffers. Um, that's one thing I, I, I think we ran into a lot is that we'd, we'd become overwhelmed because it's hard to produce and then on the other side, direct and DP the work. Mm -hmm. Um, so when we'd focus on one, the other one would a hundred percent suffer. Yeah. And then like when we tried to focus on both, it was like we're giving half of our attention. So they were both kind of like growing, but at a slower rate. So what do you think is like maybe the solution that we need to kind of continue, continue with moving forward? Well, um, I think we were starting it this year, which was good, which was bringing on uh, freelancers to shoots. Right. So if I'm producing the project, I'll just bring a DP um, and then. I'll produce and direct for the most part. So you can focus on uh, the bigger picture, right? The mm -hmm. guy who's DPing, you can just get all the shots and then you can just oversee it. And then, you know, if he misses out on one or two, just get those as well. And then once that's done, you know, hire an editor and have them work on the project because editing takes a long time, man. It takes like 20 to 30 hours for like, what, a one to two minute promotional video. That's like, that's really half the week. If you're going to work on it, it might take the whole week too, right? So it's either you edit this project or you work on <clears throat> trying to find the next project, right? Yeah. It's definitely hard finding that balance. And I remember one of the shoots that we did this year before the before the lockdown um, with COVID-19, uh, there was that project that we did for the AMA where I went in to help produce and, and direct it. And we were interviewing about 17 uh, marketing legends. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think if I was trying to do everything at that point, you know, also shoot it, 
do the interview too much uh, it, it would have been too much and that's why we hired one of our um one of our freelancers anthony Voltsinis. like he's a he's a great he's shooter great. great editor too great shooter great editor and he really helped to make the process great because i knew i could trust him with uh, the shooting aspect of it uh and then i could focus on um i could focus my attention with the client and uh and with the interviewing of each each person uh for the videos mm -hmm. um so i think we were we're definitely on the right track right now going forward um trying to balance things out like that because that way we're also bringing in other creatives yeah. that have their own spin that they can bring to the table because sometimes you just need that in a business as well you need other people's influence in there yeah it's like a fresh set of eyes right yeah um so for me, one of the things that I learned is that whenever you're starting a business like this, try to do as much as you can in the beginning, because when you do that, you can learn a hell of a lot. You know, you have this idea that you want to uh, do X, Y, only X, Y, Z type of work, and you don't want to do uh, anything else. But, you know, when an opportunity comes in the beginning, you have, I, I strongly believe that you need to take it because you never know where you can learn from it. I mean, in the beginning, we weren't exactly planning to shoot weddings on the side. You know, that wasn't something that was in our plan. But a lot of opportunities came up where we can, where you and I could freelance, uh, working with other uh, companies that that handled weddings specifically. Mm -hmm. uh, we can come in, shoot weddings for them, and we were learning a lot about how to be very flexible and nimble on sets. You know, obviously weddings are a little bit different, but we found that those were very high stress situations where, you know, if you were able to make a quick decision just like that, imagine how much simpler a corporate type project would be where it's a lot slower paced. Yeah, I think the, the best thing about shooting weddings um, is that if you become good at it, you'll learn. I, I think the biggest takeaway is that you could gain a lot of social skills mm -hmm. because... Um, you're you're meeting so many people and you have to break the ice with each one of them and um that takes a lot of skill right so yeah. you need to be able to socialize get very comfortable with people and uh i think you could tell who shoots weddings when you do corporate work because they're way more outgoing and social on set people that don't do weddings they're a bit more reserved you know like not as social they're there it's to very, do their work they're there to do their work it's very noticeable it's very noticeable and i know like that that's the biggest thing i've taken away from that like that's helped me a lot with uh dealing with clients and dealing with people it's just it's it's just naturally made me more outgoing and social yeah of course and like definitely like from from weddings like uh, the things that you learn um, also on the fly, that's that's the that's the biggest uh, takeaway is that with weddings, you learn how to make decisions like that on the spot. Because a lot of the time, uh, like obviously on on sets on, in big studio shoots or in corporate uh, or corporate projects, uh, decisions need to be made, and obviously there's more time to be made there. But when you are confident enough to make it on the spot, you can help the production move along yeah. a lot more quickly and efficiently which is valued with a lot of people and agencies these days. I think it also makes you a bit more creative as well because um, you, you'll get to a certain point when you do weddings that you've already seen it all, right? And uh, to make it interesting for yourself and also better for the people that hire you, right? Because you, you do want to get more work. You try to become more creative. So when you 
get on the scene, you're instantly thinking of like, okay, I know how to do the basic shots that I need to get, but what can I do that's a bit more interesting this time, right? So you're, you're always thinking ahead two steps, going like, oh, maybe I could shoot through like that that glass so that'll give me some cool distortion effect or mm -hmm. whatever, right? So then you could take that uh, creativity, you could practice that creativity and then take that to other corporate shoots as well, right? So when you get to a set on a, on a corporate project, then you can also try to apply the same creativity, right? Yeah, it's basically training your brain to think outside the box uh, in a more consistent uh, basis and also trusting that. Uh, because obviously if you haven't, practiced being creative as often sometimes um it's it's harder to trust if uh what you're about to try out is going to work or not it's like a testing ground basically exactly and it's interesting that that's kind of where we came from uh by doing weddings and then kind of applying it to uh laps as a whole and 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 bringing that level of thinking to the business um like i even went as far as like doing challenges uh like challenging myself all right if i use just this one lens the whole day what could i get with this yeah and sometimes you'd be surprised at how uh, amazing the type of work that comes out from that you know because you know i'm i'm also a strong believer you know where sometimes limitations can help bring out other types of creativity that you wouldn't have expected right it's like unexpected creativity yeah yeah um but anyways so i'd say th um the next thing that i learned starting the business was that and I think it took us a couple years to learn this is learning when to say no. Mm, that's a good one. Because yeah, like obviously like you want to make the client happy. At the end of, at the end of the day, you want to make sure the client is happy. Uh, but there are always there's going to be situations where uh, they might end up asking for things that you know are not possible but you still want to try to help them and in the beginning out of obligation, you know, you want to try to uh, you want to try to make them happy. So you're saying, yeah, we could totally do this by the morning when they email you at 8 p.m. Mm, yeah. You know, like this is just a uh, just an example. Do, do, would you say that also for um, new clients coming up to us with a with a, with yeah. a proposal? Oh, 100 percent. Like especially you especially want to do that. Uh, people especially want to do that when uh, there is a new client coming in or a prospective client coming in because you want to show to them that you are the problem solver. You want to help solve whatever issues they have. Uh, but sometimes there are some unrealistic things that are asked of that you just have to learn to confidently say no. And they won't give you a bad uh, response to that. They will respect you for it. They will they will ask you, okay, great. What do you think is doable? Um, like this is, this is how it is most of the time. There's I some think. that'll just... They say, okay, whatever, moving on. And I guess those are the red flags that, thank God, you kind of passed on them. Exactly. There, there, there are many, there's always going to be those uh, one or two um, outliers out there where they're going to try to ask for the world and try to take advantage of you. And, and you know, you just have to learn when to say no. Like we've gone through those situations yeah. several times and we've tried to be as helpful as possible. But, you know, you have to learn when to say no. It's the other biggest reason for that is sometimes you could even experience burnout. Like imagine if you took on 10 gigs in in like a week and it, you just said, yes, I will do it myself, all of it. You're going to burn out. Yeah, and it's worse if you take on a project knowing that uh you might you might under deliver based on what the expectations are. Yeah. It at least it, it makes you look worse. Exactly. Than if you just said no. 
Exactly. Like you all should, you should also always know where your abilities lie. If someone comes to you say, and they need uh, a whole video done with just animations and you're not exactly an animator. Yeah. Either, either suggest someone who can help them with that or bring in people to the project that can uh, help take care of that aspect. You know, you always want to make sure the client is taken care of at the end of the day. But at the end of it, you just have to trust your gut. No matter what it is, trust your gut and it'll always be the right decision. Uh, at least at least 99% of the time will be the right decision for you because if, if you can't trust your gut, then uh, like how can you make other decisions? Yeah. Okay, so my second takeaway is that you really have to plan for growth because it doesn't happen naturally on it, it'll happen on its own if you're lucky but it won't be the the exponential type of growth that you really are looking for right mm -hmm. and you'll plateau eventually if you don't if you don't plan for it right which i think we were experiencing as well like we had exponential growth the first two to three years and then it just kind two of years, yeah first two years maybe even third year and then it started to plateau after that yeah. um we we're still increasing but it, it was in it went, it went like really fast and then just slow, slow yeah. marginal uh, increases year after year. Like, don't get us wrong. We were uh, working on some really cool projects. We got to meet a lot of uh, really interesting people. But yeah. in terms of the actual numbers, like that, that's what I like over the last year and a half, I started looking at the numbers from year to year. It's like, okay, we, we grew creatively. Mm -hmm. We grew with experience, but did the business grow uh, in value with, with I think with we the didn't money. notice it because we were doing work through laps we were freelancing for other video production companies well. and we were freelancing for weddings so we had three income streams yeah that's so we didn't notice that our primary most important income income stream was uh you know suffering and not, in a not way. doing as well as it should have been right yeah if we were basically just focusing if we were only on the business uh, and we were only relying on that with those numbers. We, we would have been sweating a lot earlier. <laughs> we would have been sweating a lot earlier and maybe we would have had to have uh, closed down the business even because yeah. like at the end of the day, when you look at the numbers, you have to also um, build the company in a way where if other people look at it and decided to join, would they want to join, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, and so now... <laughs> well, first you got to do it like it's like that Maslow's pyramid thing. First you got to take off take care of your basic needs so it would have been uh my salary and your salary would have had to been covered right mm -hmm. we could live off we could live comfortably off the business right yeah and then after that we could look into adding other people and then after that expanding to office yeah. and then you know go from there but that goes back to what you were saying where you know you have to plan for everything right yeah. from the get-go we kind of planned it in the beginning you know um but you know i think it was just like like i said earlier on it was like an idea we both had in our heads yeah but it's kind of like when you have an idea for a story and in your head it's like this cinematic masterpiece that is going to make way more money than than tenet at the box office and then you start writing it down you're like oh this is garbaggio you know it sucks like i gotta fix this up so i think if again like if we wrote it down, so again planning growth uh is paramount and yeah. i think we're just in the process of doing that right now we finally like it's embarrassing to say this but after five years we finally sat down and wrote out like uh, a plan a, a business plan you know yeah it's not the best business plan we're still working on it but we we took that step and actually started writing it down right 
Exactly. Yeah. I mean, like on the surface, like we've, we've always been helpful with whichever client has come our way. You know, we've always been able to do great work and, uh, with the people around us, but, uh, in terms of on the back end, like us ourselves, we haven't taken care of ourselves. Yeah. That's basically we're what's driving happened. without a speedometer, basically. Basically. Yeah. Or that, and also no maps, <laughs> you know, we're just, we just took the open road and just kind of shot right, yeah. right through. But, um, anyways, um, what would you say is the last thing or third thing that you've learned? The last thing I learned is that um, a lot of the big big clients, the 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 whales that everyone is gunning for, mm -hmm. they're mostly with ad agencies. Yeah. Um, so you kind of have to, because we thought we were going to be able to get those guys, but at the end of the day, it's like you can't really get them because, again, what are you offering? Just the creative side of things, right? It's just one thing. Yeah, just one thing, just the video. And for us, video, not even like the photography or whatever else they need, right? Whereas like these companies need A to Z, right? And who's going to be able to provide that but an ad agency, right? Yeah. Um, or even like some, like not even like a big ad agency, ad agency, maybe a smaller ad agency as well, but they have the, 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 the capability to do that. We don't have that. So um, I think what we've started to plan out is uh, collaborating more with ad agencies, but also trying to go after companies that uh, maybe have been um, looked uh, looked over by ad agencies or that maybe weren't even thinking about getting into the space. Maybe they had an idea of getting into the creative field. That could be an opportunity for us. Mm -hmm. I think we already started doing that a bit. Yeah. Well, I mean, we have been planning for like this, like 2020 was, I'd say, the start of when we really kind of sat down reflected on the business and started planning it forward it's almost like a five-year review we did mm -hmm. and uh you should mention that we also kind of figured out our vision for the company as well. we're still trying to figure it out too but we didn't even have like we had nothing set in stone we yeah. just said we... no mission statement no no vision for the company none of that right yeah we had some rinky dink ones when we started the business because we did make a business plan when we started but it wasn't it wasn't very well thought out back then because, you know, we thought, you know, oh, we're creating video. Like, there's such a huge demand. Yeah. What is it? What do we do? We do video. That's it, you know? <laughs> yeah, but I, I think other video production companies are in the same uh, state that we're in. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not going to say all, but I'm, I'm pretty sure a good portion are because if you look at their uh, mission statements or visions. It's the most generic stuff ever, right? Mm -hmm. It basic, basically sums down to we do video. That's, that's really pretty much what that's, every company that's what says. It sums down to. It's really hard to differentiate yourself from uh, the rest of the competition when a lot of a lot of them are um, a lot of them are communicating similar messages on the type of work that they do. But that but that's hard. But the, I think the reason for that is that you you kind of have to because. Uh, unless you niche yourself into a particular thing, um, that might eliminate a lot of income streams for you, right? Yeah. Like if you say, I'm strictly focusing on this niche, that might work out and you might become really good at that niche and live very comfortably. But um, you might not all, you might not as well, right? So if you, if you say, I'm strictly focusing on promotional videos, what about clients that need event coverage, interviews, and all the rest, right? right. What, do you turn them away? Yeah, right. So I guess that's also one thing that we were trying to determine and we figured, you know, we're kind of still learning. 
we're still learning the business. We're still learning. Like, I, I, you're always learning. That's yeah. what I've learned. Is <laughs> I've learned that you're always learning. You learn to learn. And, you know, especially now with with the whole COVID-19 situation, um, that pretty much derailed everything. But it allowed us to focus a little bit more on how our planning is going, right? Yeah. Um, so now it's just a matter of, like, we're not that we're waiting, but, you know, businesses aren't really lining up to create a hell of a lot of content right especially and, think, and no one's in the position to say to, to turn away business especially at this point exactly. so it's kind of like whatever comes it's like i can't really say no unless it's not unless i'm going to lose money on it right exactly and even then you kind of try to make it work because the people i've spoken to they're taking on like other videographers in the field and who might have some some companies on on our level they're like from what i've heard like they're taking on some work and it when I heard what they were charging, I'm like, oh, that's very low compared to what I know they charge. And it's like, hey, yeah. man, times are tough. You know, you got to do what you got to do. Everybody's just taking on whatever work they can, whatever it is, you know, uh, like I'm sure a lot of people are not being very um, picky, very picky with the pricing. You know, like um, like I, I did a project about a week ago, like this was a freelance based one. And uh, they asked me what my rate is. I told them and then they asked me, is it possible to do it just for a little bit less? And I said, yep, you know what? whatever yeah. I'm, I'm not gonna argue <laughs> like <laughs> it's been like two months since we've done any any work the last project that we that we um that we did any work for was that um cherry blossom the cherry blossoms project yeah when we uh worked with signal films mm -hmm. for it um they took on that project and they needed us to come in and help film and do the live stream and that was pretty much the only project we did during the whole lockdown it was a great project too yeah we were in a, a empty fun. high park it's just us and the cops that was that was fun yeah, no, that, I definitely want to bring on uh, uh, the owner of Signal Films, Adam. Adam. Yeah, I, I feel like he would be a, a great uh, a great guest to bring onto the show and uh, just kind of share his story because he has also a pretty interesting story um, uh, of how he's gone into the business because I think he's been in it for a, a long time, right? At least a decade, for sure. Um, but anyways, so the last thing that I would say that I learned in the business is that every client is different. There is no one size fits all. fits all. You know, you can't just get like a, a simple hat and and give it out to everyone. You know, like yeah, typically that would that would work. But you know, when it comes to clients, every single one has different needs. I remember about two years ago, we were going through a stage where we realized, okay, we want to focus you and I more on the creative. We need to bring someone in to handle sales. We've tried this many times. And I think this was the last, this was kind of like- We tried it t twice. I'd say two or three times. Three, twice. I, I, no, it was two times. Yeah. But I think this last one was the one that kind of uh, was the nail in the coffin. We, we met this one other uh, kind of business development person who works with different wedding companies and agencies, and he just handles strictly sales for them. And we thought, great. He's a little familiar with this business. We can maybe bring him on board to kind of handle that aspect, you know, you know, do a little bit more outreach because yeah, we can do a little bit of it, but we need someone to just It'd be nice to have someone it. just do that, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, um, with that, <clears throat> we talked to him and he was open to doing it with us. But what we realized very quickly was that a lot of people who were handling sales, they were, they were trying to create a like a templated pricing system. Well, I think the reason was because that guy mainly worked on the wedding scene and with weddings, you have packages, right? Pricing packages. So yeah. he was trying to apply that formula to us. 
And I don't think that works in the video production field because every client's needs are different, right? So every, every estimate that we give to a client is tailor-made for that client's project and for their needs yeah and it'll never be the same it'll always change there'll always be something different well he was basically creating a pricing system that was tiered around the client deciding what technical things they would need they would need yeah which clients don't it, know what they need clients don't know that clients the uh, corporate clients and uh corporate clients typically come to companies like ours so that we just handle everything for them yeah they um they give us the budget and based on that budget, we give them a recommendation on the resources that are needed, how much it will cost. And when they're happy with it, they sign off and then we move in. We're not going to tell them, okay, if you want, you know, for $2,500, you can get one videographer for XYZ You get money. one audio up. And one you get audio. One. It doesn't work like that. Yeah, like it, it doesn't. Like you can't like pick and choose like different creative um, tools that are needed for Unless the Unless that client was an ex video producer he won't know yeah and that i'm not saying because they're ignorant it's just because they just don't know the process right they don't they don't know like, the process and yeah. they don't want to know they they're not they're i don't know how my accountant gives me back a return every year i just trust him to do his job exactly you know? oh man that was <laughs> here's a little bonus thing that we learned is that get yourself a good accountant oh, yes. right from the get-go yes. <laughs> because we had when we when we started the business, we were doing all the taxes ourselves. And we found a goofy guy for the first two years. The that first two years didn't make sense. That just messed up everything, everything for us. And when we finally found our accountant, With Howard. Howard Silverberg is the goat, okay? <laughs> he is the goat of accountants. And when we went to him, the first thing he he said he spent when he spent three looked, hours with us the first time. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no. The first time, here's what happened. We sat down for 30 minutes. He looked over the stuff and he said, come back, come back next he's week. Like, he's like, get your this, numbers right. This get, makes no sense. Come back next week. I think it took three tries for it took, that. Yeah, three, three tries. And I remember the second time we spent like three hours with him. Yeah. <laughs> he like, was expecting half an hour to turn into a three hour ordeal. Poor guy. He was this close to like yelling at us. I oh, could I, see it. I think, I think he almost did. It's like he, he was fighting the urge. That was, that's how it was for like the first two years with him. Yeah. And then finally, you know, we all. Oh, we get, we're we, out in half an hour now. Yeah. We figured out a system. We know what he needs uh, exactly. And it just become it's, it's become a very simple process yeah. so when we do our tax stuff i'm always like i don't want i don't want to upset him i just want to make sure he's proud of us this year see this, this, this is what it took for dario to to be good with his taxes you know he didn't want our accountant to yell at him <laughs> but yeah so i'd say those are um at least that that's pretty much the the three main things that i've learned like we said you know when you're starting a business you know you might have some ideas uh, of like what you want to do going forward but you're there's a lot of things that you're going to learn after five years. You're never going to be at exactly the place that you think you are yeah. going, starting out. That's why 2020 feels like a year where we um, rebooted the business in a way. It's almost like we took it's a all restart. The, it's a it's it's a restart. We weren't thinking of we weren't thinking of a name change, but we're kind of holding off on that. We have too many of these cups that we bought. <laughs> we've, we've already invested in, in cups so that's it yeah when you spend 700 bucks on cups that's when you're like all right i'm this is it i'm not moving away especially from during covid season yeah. we can't afford another 800 dollars in cups it's funny like we got the cups and then like a week later covid happened oh we haven't man. even been able to give them out to clients i yet. know we're sitting on a box of maybe 70 mugs that are that that we've been meaning to give to some of our clients and yeah 
you know i almost forgot i had them i went down in the basement i'm like what is this giant box and I, oh yeah it's the cups it's the cups so far only howard is a <laughs> recipient of our mug and our family members so <laughs> so yeah i guess just uh we, we, we restarted the business in a way yeah we're trying to apply all the stuff that we learned over these five years to the next five years you know yeah so i guess like for now it's almost as if you know we're starting the business anew Maybe in five years, we'll check in again, see where we're at. You know, we're not going to do the classic, you know, where do you see yourself in five years? You know, it's it's basically let's plan for growth. As you mentioned, you know, it's still a learning. Uh, it's still a learning experience for us as it goes. You know, I feel like everyone can kind of relate. Yeah. And let's just kind of see where it goes month to month at this point. We should actually uh, timestamp this date. And then like see in five years, five, five years to the date, have another podcast or have another show episode and see where we're at. That'd yeah. Cool to do. Well, that's basically what it is. Like maybe we could even watch some of the things that we were saying and then we can look at ourselves being like, oh, look at us at 26 and 27. How naive we are back then, <laughs> you know, but, you know, you never know what the you never know what the future holds. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of glad that we're also doing a show like this because it kind of it kind of solidifies and, and and puts into the history books for us you know of where we were yeah like it's it's interesting because it's um especially the first episode and i guess this one too it's like an oral history lesson for our company so it's, yeah it's interesting stuff obviously with the show one thing we want to do going forward is bringing on other guests mm -hmm. that can kind of share not only their experiences but also well, using their experiences to kind of give their thoughts on certain topics that are popular within the industry, you yeah. know, like, for example, finding a work life balance uh, when you're when you're running your own company, you know, where does the business stop and then the home life begins where we we all know this, though, that never happens, really, especially within the first five years. You know, yeah, if you're running a business, that's that's going to be really tricky. It's just one of the sacrifices you have to make. Right? It's a sacrifice that you're going to have to make, you know, and, you know, we know how it has been for us. You know, we've been lucky that we've been doing this in our 20s, you know, when we um, when we don't have families yet, yeah, yeah. whereas other people are trying to do this while balancing a family with wife and kids. You know, I can't imagine doing that yet, you know, so I'm like, I'm obviously trying to hold off until as much as we can until uh, you know at least the business is a little bit more sustainable that's that's what i want to do we're starting we're we're starting to implement the steps for that though because we'll we'll start work at like 9:10 in the morning and then i think after 5 we don't call each other for work related stuff and then on the weekends those are like off days so we but whereas yeah. before it was kind of like it was very random yeah we'd call we'd call each other to start doing work at like i remember like 7 p.m. 9 p.m. at times to be, honest, to be honest, I kind of enjoyed those. Uh, those I'm more work productive times. at night, so it, it works for me. <laughs> I mean, everyone has productive times, but obviously, though, you, we have to. You can't, yeah. You got to, like, have time for work and then have time to just relax and unwind. Yeah, because you really need to give yourself that time to rest, because if you don't, then it's going to be harder to put in that effort to work. I mean, everyone has different uh, productivity times. If you want to schedule in evenings as the time that you work, great. But, you know, that's up to you and uh, and the people around you, you yeah. know, and your social life as well. That's going to help determine if that's applicable for you. I mean, back in the day, we would be uh, doing our work from 7 p.m. till even 1 a.m. at times. Yeah. I, I've even done things where I had to do an edit, a video edit um, for like three days. Uh, it was due within three days. 
I had an idea just as I was going to bed. I had an idea for the video. I just wanted to throw on the timeline and uh, it was around 12 o'clock at night. And <laughs> I went in to make that change and five hours later, the video was done. <laughs> what time did you start? I started at 12 o'clock at oh, night boy. and finished at 5 a.m. and the video was done. I just, I, like, sometimes you get into, like, um, how do you call it? Um, you get in the zone. So, you know, with that being said, I, I think we can leave it at that. You know, thank you for taking the time to listen to the second episode of the Creatives Grab Coffee Show. Um, for all you maybe two or three listeners out there at this point, <laughs> you know, we have we are not at the expectation that there are hundreds of thousands of people. It's just our friends. Watching this. <laughs> just our close friends and... And Maybe. people we, we, we forced to watch this. <laughs> and people that we have said, yeah, you should check it out. Yeah. You know? But anyways, I think I think that's that. And uh, anything that's else you want to leave it at, Dario? Mm, no, I think we covered a lot. Great. Anyways, well, this is it. Great. Well, always a pleasure talking with you. And uh, thank you all for listening. So <laughs> you treating me like a stranger on some YouTube show. <laughs> always a pleasure. <laughs> Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. Well, yeah, like, comment, and subscribe, baby. You don't need to like, comment, and subscribe. That's for like we, we normies. Do, we don't want you to like, comment, and subscribe. If anything, don't do it. Just listen. Yeah. Thank you for tuning in to the Creatives Grab Coffee podcast. You can find us on Spotify, YouTube, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Let us know if there are any topics you would like for us to cover in future episodes. You can reach out to us at creativesgrabcoffee at gmail.com. Mm -hmm.